here want to say. Welcome to Woman Unplugged, a podcast of encouragement for today. Let's talk about the everyday matters of life, womanhood, motherhood, marriage, friendship, and more. We're all new to this thing called life. We've never done it before. Tune in to this podcast and be encouraged, inspired, restored, find new joy and purpose as you grow into the woman you are called to be. Let's go. This is Rosalie Elliott with another episode of Woman Unplugged. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm excited about this episode for a few reasons. First of all, it's been a minute since I've shared an episode on this podcast, but also there are quite a few important things that I want to share with you today. If we were sitting together in person, I'd offer you some coffee or tea right about now, but since this is not that type of setting, I hope that as you listen to this podcast, you can relax, sit back, Have your fall pumpkin spice latte or your tea or whatever you would like to drink. Or if you're driving and you prefer listening to podcasts on the road, drive safe, be careful, and enjoy. This podcast episode is called Winter is Coming. So I'd like to ask you a few questions. Have you ever felt depressed? Have you ever felt so sad, lonely, discouraged, and lost? Have you ever felt so downcast that your heart was physically hurting from the emotional pain. And speaking of sadness, do you ever get super downcast when the holiday season is over, like in January and February? If any of that applies to you, then this episode is for you. Because winter is coming. It is inevitable and it's just around the corner. But how will you survive that post-holiday season? How can we make it through those deep valleys of life? And why do we need to talk about it now, before winter has even come? We recently got back from a family trip to Germany a couple of weeks ago. And every time I thought about posting pictures or sharing some of our experiences, I changed my mind because it hurt too much. Why, do you ask? Well, thanks for asking, as my former professor Benson Vaughn would say. Well, the trip was amazing. There is so much that I could tell you, or better yet, I wish I could show you. We ate so much good food. I'm talking Maultaschen, Gulasch, Lachsbandnudeln, Döner. Yes, Döner is the bomb. And if you don't know any of that, then just buy us a few plane tickets to Germany and I'll take you on the tour. Well, we spent time with family. We had great conversations, laughed, cried. Okay, mostly I cried because Enneagram Type 2 over here. We ate some more, went shopping, relaxed, ate even more, and so on. It was amazing, that trip. I got to walk to a German bakery with my husband to get some fresh German bread and an assortment of amazing cakes in the cool, fresh, crisp morning air of Germany. You know, the kind of air that literally makes you feel like it's fall and you, you're alive and you suddenly feel healed from all your ailments. Okay, maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but German air in the villages really is that good to me. We strolled through the city and went shopping. Not like grocery shopping, but like, oh, I've been looking for earrings like this, and I need a new pullover, and I like those jeans type of shopping. We saw beautiful architecture, fountains, statues, castle, and more. 
as we walked through the city of Stuttgart. And friends, the weather forecast said it would be mostly cold and rainy, and it partially was, but I knew my Heavenly Father, my Abba, would also provide sunshine. And he did it, or as people say lately, won't he do it? And so I told several of my family members repeatedly how that's my daddy because I knew he would come through like that. We got to see my mom in the Black Forest. I got to show my husband the Bible college I attended for years, which happens to be the sister school and college that he attended in the States. I got to show him some of the places I lived growing up and the school I attended. I mean, just talk about a walk down memory lane. It was so good. And then we came home, and winter came. I mean, not really, because it was and is still fall here in Georgia. It is also partly still summer, but fall, but spring, depending on the time of day. But don't get me wrong, America, you're great and all, and Georgia is too. But man, did I sink. I mean, if I was a deer in the woods, I'd be sliding down the side of that hill, tumbling and falling and rolling and tripping, with eyes wide open like a deer in headlights. I was lost. I got back, and I was depressed. I was so sad. Lonely, lost, I cried a lot. And some of the reasons that I and partially my husband came up with for why I might be feeling like this was as follows. Maybe I had gotten a taste of being around family, and I realized what I was missing, living so far away from them. As a type 2, I'm big on meeting other people's needs, and my family over there needs me. Or, as a type 2 again, I have needs too, and often don't spend enough time meeting them. And back home, my needs were being met. My sister and sister-in-law were there for me. They spoke life into me. I had the community that I needed. Another reason could be I long for family and community. And while I have amazing friends here, it's hard being away from family. Especially that far. Another reason could have been that we spent months planning and preparing for this trip, and now that the trip was over, it was like, what's next? So which one of these was it, you ask? It was all of them. I think it was all, and maybe even more. I felt so far from home, lonely and lost, and nothing motivated me anymore. I thought about my podcast and my music and teaching, and with everything I tried to think of, that was, would give me new perspective, I found a reason to think that there was no point in that. There was already enough amazing music out there, already plenty of awesome podcasts in the world, plenty of great teachers. Maybe someone could be a better mom to my kids. Maybe my husband would be happier with a fellow type 5, or at least someone that's not like me. I mean, to those of you who have ever felt depressed and in that hole, you know that those areas of your mind try to take you really low. It's like spiraling. I felt down, I felt sad and lost. Here are some thoughts, for example, that I wrote down and partially sent to my husband at one point. I said, please pray for me today. I feel so depressed. I'm so thankful for such a wonderful trip and all the things we got. It's good to be back in our own bed and apartment, but I feel lost. My heart hurts. I guess I got used to doing our own thing here in the States and now I'm away from family again and it hurts. I feel out of place, not sure how to explain, but depressed, and I could just cry. I suppose once everything's unpacked and we got groceries in the house and the routine kicks back in, it'll get better. But I feel lost right now. It hurts so much to be so far. I feel so lost and far away. I hate feeling stuck and like I don't have a choice. 
an ocean, and hours of a flight away. Please help me, Lord. Please give me vision. Please show us what to do. Those were my thoughts and a type of prayer in that season. Some days I felt better, and others it was back to darkness, and I cried quite a bit. One day, I stood on my porch, and I was looking at the roof on the building across from ours, and there were several birds on that roof in the sun. Not sure if they were sunbathing or looking for food, but I slowed down, and I felt like God was trying to remind me how these birds had everything they needed, sunshine, the ability to look for food, they were fine, and that he would take care of me too. And you know, I've heard and read that verse many times in my life, how if God takes care of the flowers and the birds, how much more will he take care of you and me? But in that moment, that truth felt fresh again. I believe God was able to speak to me and comfort me because I had slowed down. I was altogether in more of a somber state, not as busy and was quiet. I was hungry for comfort and a word. And I realized something. There is a comfort overload, but we are not comforted. There are motivational posts, scriptures, and encouragement at our fingertip. Comfort galore on social media. There's a comfort overload, but we are not comforted. There is an information overload, but we are not learning. Stimulation overload, but we're not stimulated anymore. It's when we slow down and actually let that truth sink into our core, into our roots, that something can grow. And as a type 2 on the Enneagram, I'm quick to want to meet other people's needs and take care of those around me. So when I learn something or God teaches me something, I want to jump up and share it with everyone else. Because I think they need that. And yes, sometimes that's good and well, well needed. But in this season, I felt like God was saying, slow down. Let that sink into you first. And as one of my devotional calendars says, let God comfort you so that in his time, you may comfort others. Let God comfort you so that in his time, you may comfort others. And so as I went and maybe still am going through this hermitage season, if you will, I do have to say, it is good. I need to grow. I need to become rooted in Christ and be comforted before I can share and comfort others. I can only encourage others to stay in the fire as long as I'm willing to stay in it. And yeah, it burns. Oh, it burns. It hurts to deal with pain and to be refined and to resist the desire to run and to escape whatever is uncomfortable. But the fire is important, and the good news is we aren't alone in that furnace. But now before you think I'm such a good and selfless person as this type 2, there are often strings attached. Pride that makes me want to appear as selfless. Pride that lets me believe I'm worth only as much as I'm needed. Pride that turns into resentment when others don't reciprocate that same attitude. And God is dealing with me on that. Honestly, learning about yourself and who you were created to be is painful. It's raw, but it's a necessary process, and I highly recommend it. Facing yourself, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it shows us how much we need the grace of God. And it also shows us how much grace there is available if we just dare and do that hard and holy work. I would encourage you to deal with yourself. Take the Enneagram test, for example, and really work on finding out who you are and who God made you to be. What drives your behaviors? What are you afraid of? What do you desire? What are your weaknesses and strengths? And why do you do what you do? 
In the book The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stable, he says that the Enneagram is full of wisdom for people who want to get out of their own way and become who they were created to be. It has to do with self-knowledge, he says. Most folks assume they understand who they are when they really don't. They don't question the lens through which they see the world, where it came from, how it shaped their lives, or even if the vision of reality is true. More troubling is that many are not aware of the things that helped them survive as children is now holding them back. What we don't know about ourselves, he continues, can and will hurt us and others. We will continue to go through life on autopilot, hurting ourselves and others around us. And eventually we become so accustomed to making the same mistakes over and over that they lull us to sleep. So we need to wake up. We need to get out of our own way. He says, without knowledge of ourselves, there is no knowledge of God. That's good theology. There's a lot of people that make huge mistakes. People who studied the Bible, but not themselves. People that studied God and theology, but they did not get to know themselves. They need to see their own splendidness and brokenness. Measuring oneself against truth and not the other way around. It is a tool. It is not infallible. There are many other tools, but it can help in you deepen your love for God and for others. And the more we grow in self-knowledge, the more we become aware of our need for God's grace, and we have more compassion for ourselves and for others. So deal with yourself. It's a journey, but it's an important one. And I think it has helped me in this season of sadness and feeling lost. Because winter will come. You know, somehow we think that a good life means constant productivity. The world advertises and sells these lies of forever young and how to be unstoppable and limitless. But friends, there is no such thing. Other than God, we are all very much so stoppable and limited. Yet, even as Christians, we often glorify the work or ministry over the minister of our souls. We focus on the results over the process. We invest in the fruits more than in the roots. And then we wonder why our fruits rot or why they don't last and nurture long enough. We are not evergreens. As humans, we're like trees who go through spring, summer, fall, and winter. There will come a time when the leaves wither and fall. And that's okay. It's okay for things to fall, for things to die, and for things to change. There is a season for everything. And if we don't go through that fall and death, we cannot be renewed and grow strong roots to bring new fruit when spring comes around. And yes, I know as a Christian we should be ready in and out of season and bear the fruits of the Spirit at all times. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But tell me, have you ever prayed for patience? If so, what happened? Situations arose where your patience was tested, right? It's hard to be self-controlled when we're angry, hard to show kindness when we've been hurt. The fruits of the Spirit come by spending time with the Spirit of God. And the more we look at Jesus and spend time with Him, the more we become like Him. And these fruits come by growing healthy and strong roots, being rooted in Christ. 
There is so much life happening, even in fall and in winter. When we can't see the fruits and leaves on the trees, something is still happening. There is still life in that tree. So I believe it's important we don't mistake fruitfulness for productivity and busyness. Sometimes busyness is the enemy of true fruitfulness. What's more important is obedience. What are you supposed to do right now? Where are you supposed to be? The more we spend time with God, the more we learn what His good and perfect will is. And I've heard that being in the will of God is the safest place that you can be. But, literally speaking, winter isn't here yet. So why do we talk about these things now? The holidays haven't come and gone yet. So why deal with this subject? Well, my friends, winter will come, literally and often, emotionally and spiritually. And if you're like me, you might find yourself in this fog after the holidays, when the hype and the fun is over, in that January, February season, when everything's cold and quiet and you kind of ask yourself, what now? I believe it's important to talk about these things now, before winter comes. Now is the time to grow your roots deep, to prepare yourself, to get to know yourself, to draw nearer to God, to be comforted and strengthened, so that when winter comes, you have those strong roots and you won't be shaken or cut down so easily. Yesterday, we went for a walk, my husband and my two daughters and I. I was feeling sad and heavy-hearted once again. Like I've said before, it's been this season since we came back from Germany. And the walk felt good. It was beautiful outside. And it was nice to be able to go as a family. I asked my husband if he ever grew tired of spiritual highs and lows or if he, if he ever felt far from God. And I asked him what he thought about that Bible verse that says, Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And as we were walking... He suddenly noticed a deer in the woods, climbing up the side of that valley cliff, if you will. And immediately I thought, hmm, I wonder if that means anything, if God is trying to show me something. And you know, I used to think like that a lot, looking for signs, believing that God was speaking to me all around, and I would look and observe and wait in expectancy. And I realize I haven't been doing that very much lately. In my sadness and lack of vision or purpose, I haven't looked and I haven't been expectant. Mostly I would assume negative things or brace myself for anything bad that might happen versus having the faith and expectancy of a child. But in my loneliness, in this hermitage that I think I have been in, when you actually don't know what to say and you don't do as much, either because of depression or lack of motivation or fatigue, I think God can use that to get our attention in a new way. So, saying less, listening more, that thought popped in my head. What if God is trying to say something by letting that deer cross our path? Well, it didn't literally cross our path, but by seeing that deer in the woods. So, as I thought about that deer, the Bible verse came to mind from Psalm 42, verse 1, that says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Fitting. I did have this new sense of thirst for God, longing to be near Him and to get healing from my heart. Because sometimes I feel so downcast that my heart literally hurts. Have you ever felt like that? Where you're physically in pain because you're emotionally hurting? And then this morning when I was trying to read a few scriptures while drinking my second coffee, 
I came across 2 Samuel 22, verse 33 to 37. It says, It is God who arms me with strength, or who is my strong refuge. And he keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. Or the Masoretic text says, You stoop down to make me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. Wow! That deer in the woods climbed up that hill effortlessly. Slowly, but effortlessly. I don't know if he or she was anxious or how easy or hard it was for her at that time. But I do know God equipped her with the right body, hoofs, and gave her what she needed so she can live in the woods and climb up and down steep mountainsides and find food and shelter. If God formed us in our mother's womb and already knows all the days written out for us, as it is described in Psalm 139, didn't he equip us too? Does that mean it will always be easy? No. That deer took a step at a time, just like the rest of us have to also. But 2 Samuel, and we see this again in Psalm 18, verse 33, by the way. So read up these references when I share these scriptures. Do your own Bible study. Meditate. Let that sink in your heart. 2 Samuel reminds us that God trains us for battle. He is our help and shield. So you know, when I read about being trained for battle and war, my mind often automatically goes to a spiritual battle. And I think prayer, fasting, telling other people about Jesus, the spiritual battle between angels and demons, you know, all the warfare stuff, where we need to be prayed up and read up and have our armor of God on at all times. But you know, being a mother is a battle sometimes. Being a wife can be a battle. Being a human takes fight. Sometimes getting up is a battle. Sometimes choosing not to give up and jump off that bridge is a battle. Then there's the battlefield of the mind, that invisible but oh-so-real battlefield. Our thoughts, feelings, memories, a constant fight. But then there's God who says, Hey darling, I know this battlefield is real. It's raw, unplugged, nothing pretty, no filter, no hashtag, just rough. But I have trained your hands for war. I make your feet like that of a deer, so you can climb, baby, climb, one step at a time, but climb. I will be with you. He says this in Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. Fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. When the waters come, you will not drown. When the fire is ablaze, you will not burn, for I am the Lord your God. God is the God of the hills and the valleys. He knows this terrain. I love how the Masoretic text in 2 Samuel 22 verse 36 says, You stoop down to make me great. God stooped down. He became one of us, Jesus. And he can relate. He was tempted in every way but remained without sin. He understands depression and anxiety and loneliness. I mean, he sweat blood. He knows pain. The struggle that is often so much more than just a struggle and more like a war a fight for survival. Depression is no joke. And at the end of this podcast, I'll share a few simple practical tips with you. But for now, I want us to focus on perspective. My husband reminded me during our walk that God is always with us. He doesn't leave. Drawing near to God 
so he would draw near to us, means that it's up to us how readily available we want God to be. Because he is right there. We have access to him everywhere at any time. He is. God is. He is the great I am. He is available. So in my sadness, when I feel far from him, or when I'm frustrated with these spiritual highs and lows in my walk with God, I need to learn not to base my faith on my feelings as much. Because God didn't go anywhere. He's here. Regardless if I read my Bible and pray for an hour before starting the day or not. Of course, those practices are good things and part of a relationship with God, just like date night is part of a good marriage. But God is not near and far based on my idea of what a good Christian looks like. He is here, ever-present, always speaking, always comforting, always holding, always near. We need to listen. And you know what? There's no such thing as darkness to God. Whatever depression you're experiencing, whatever anxiety or sadness, your darkness does not shock God or catch Him off guard. Whatever sin you've committed, whatever darkness you might find yourself in. In Psalm 139 it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. A dear friend of mine who also understands the pain of being far away from family, Carrie Massengill, said something so profound to me. Be where you are. Be who God wants you to be now, not who you were. Let me say that again. Be where you are. Be who God wants you to be now not who you were. Your depression and sadness does not catch God off guard. There is no place where He is not. And you do not have to face your troubles alone. I know that doesn't mean the pain will suddenly vanish. We live in a broken world and it takes time for broken things to heal. But there is comfort available and new perspective is available. Look up, sweet child. Look up. So if you want more, you must open your eyes to what's already in front of you. Draw near to God. He is available, closer than a breath. So take that deep breath. Go for a walk. Let the sunshine touch your face. Embrace the cold. Enjoy a good meal. Take conscious, deep breaths. Talk to a counselor. Reach out to a friend. When you're feeling depressed or anxious, use your five senses to ground yourself and to be present in the moment. Take a long walk. Take a nice hot bath. Enjoy a piece of chocolate. And know that in this very moment, right where you are, God is. Your darkness is as light to Him. He is the God of spring, summer, and fall. And he is most certainly the God of winter. So breathe and be comforted. Thank you so much, friends, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to leave a review, share this with your friends, and connect with me on social media, on Instagram or Facebook. Find me under Rosalie Elliott or Rosalie Elliott Music. I would love to connect with you. Reach out if you have questions, feedback, or if you know anyone who might be interested in being part of this podcast. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Rosalie Elliott and Woman Unplugged. Have a great day.